Welcome, Wednesday family. Thank you for joining us again today on this beautiful day that God has created for us. Today we're going to continue through the and we're going to we're going to hear from the Holy Spirit in all of his works as he spreads God's word through courageousness. And I want to um, I want to have you open your hearts so that way you can listen to the word of God. Please rise for our first song.
Let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for you this morning, for this chance to be together and to worship together and to see all of these people in this great room. Lord, this morning I ask that you take our hurts away from us. You take away those things that bother us, whether it be anxiety, depression. And Lord, cleanse us. Bring us to you. Bring us before you and allow us to be your servants, to be those who are here to help others in your name. Lord, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.
of shame at the door, cause it ain't welcome anymore. Ooh, you're in the Father's house. You may be seated. Love that song. I love the message, right? We have burdens, there's shame, there's guilt. I mean, all of this is the, the result of sin in this world and in our life. And we can come to the Father's house. Actually, he comes to us and he says, I understand your sin, I understand your brokenness, I understand your guilt, and I have addressed it completely and totally through the sending of my Son. And what Jesus did 2,000 years ago was an event that changed the course of human history. But that event has effect right now. Because as God stands here, he looks at our sin and says, you know, you confess it, I'll take it away as far as the east is from the west and I will remember it no more. So if you walked into this building today and you've been carrying some guilt and shame and burden Jesus says, I got that. And you don't have to carry it anymore. It's forgiven. And he did it because he loves you. And my prayer for us is that we would then live our lives in such a way that shows this world that we've got a redeemer and a savior and a friend who loves us and loves this world. Because I don't know about you, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired of all the stuff going on in the news and in our world, and we need some kind of peace. And uh, I don't think any policies are going to bring that. It's going to be the peace that comes from Christ and Him alone. So hold on to that. Don't let go of that. And then share that with people that you come into contact with. Amen. Uh, a couple quick announcements for you. If you are here today and you are a guest, uh, we have a way for you to communicate with us. And if I can have the telephone number up, up on the screen, you could text 1C guest to 94,000. And that starts then the, what I call the communication. We'll, we'll be able to talk to you and let you know what you know, resources we have for ministry. And you can ask questions and we can begin that process. So if you're a guest here today or even online and you would like some information, text 1C guest to 94,000. Uh, secondly, uh, prayer requests. If you are sitting here today or if you're online and there's something heavy on your heart, maybe it's a burden, maybe it's something that you've been carrying, you just want to have prayer for that, you can, um, you can let us know, 402-242-5051, and you can text that to us. We'll have it for today, and we'll include whether it's a prayer of concern or a prayer of thanksgiving, and we'll include that in, in the prayer time today. So feel free to do that. And then thirdly, God has blessed every single one of us with one blessing on top of another. And God takes great delight when we say thank you in return. And we do that by how we live our lives. It's really an act of worship. So in your service to the Lord, you know, what, how you use your time and your gifts, that really does matter. And one of those ways is actually giving uh, monetarily. And we have some ways digitally that you can do that, whether it's text to give or online giving or go to the Church Center app, uh, some different ways for you to be able to, to give for the ongoing mission ministry through 1C Church. 
all of those things, whether it's prayer or coming to worship, this is all our opportunity to be able to worship our Lord and give him thanks. So may we do it for his glory and to further his kingdom. Amen. Once again, those words of these songs that we sing send a powerful message, right? I mean, there's so many things out in this world that bombard us and want to get our attention, but there is only one thing that will satisfy our greatest need. It's Jesus. We need him more than anything else. And isn't that the story of the scriptures? I mean, 
one book after another, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, God's detailed account that says, I know you and I love you and I'm pursuing you with an everlasting love. And I won't give up. I'm going to keep coming. And that's where we're, we've been in our journey in the book of Acts. Again, Acts is in the New Testament. Uh, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. And then we get into this book called The Acts of the Apostles. And the real story is about the Holy Spirit. How it moves in people and through people, even in spite of people. And so we've, we've seen so far, well, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. And now we're seeing God advancing his kingdom. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we come to you and we are thankful that you are faithful beyond measure. You have showed up at all times and all places because you said you would. You said you would never leave us or forsake us. And so come here, Lord Jesus. Come and fill our hearts, our minds, our lives uh, with your word, your truth. And Lord, may we understand more fully after today uh, who you are, how you love, and the desires you have for your children. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned, again, we're in the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts for quite some time. We're going to watch how the Holy Spirit is moving through people like you and me. And that same Holy Spirit that was promised a long time ago is the same Holy Spirit who is here with us today and is, is right here. He's calling us into a deeper relationship with Jesus and to be the kind of disciple that he wants you and me to be. Not always easy. It's a battle and a struggle because we have on the one side our sinful nature that keeps saying no and we have God's spirit that says yes. So we're going to continue and uh, today's theme is courageous. Uh, maybe even add the word faith. Courageous faith. And uh, let's kind of talk about where we left off uh, last week. We have Peter and John and they're going up to the temple. And so they're going to the temple as good Jewish men would do, and they're going to be praying in the afternoon. As they entered the temple, they saw a lame man begging for money. And a couple details about him. He was lame from birth, and his friends would carry him to the temple. Remember, he couldn't go into the temple for worship. He would be brought to one of the gates, and uh, one of the titles for the gate that we're thinking he's at was the beautiful gate and it was near Solomon's portico which we'll give you a picture in just a moment but he was placed there and then we find that the lame beggar um, was put there and he would meet Peter and John and he gets healed and if you were here last week or watched it online remember 40 years he's been waiting for some kind of healing during some of those years Remember Jesus. Jesus went to the temple. Jesus probably walked by this man. So did Peter and John. And we wrestled a little bit with the question, when, when, and why does God heal? The answer is this. I know it's very simple and it's probably more complicated, but he will heal 
in a way that will give God the ultimate glory and will further his kingdom the most. So that's the story. And so he meets Peter, John, and he's healed. And uh, then it says here in verse 11, this is where we're now advancing from last week. While he clung to Peter and John. And it must have been a sight. All right? I don't know if you've ever seen three guys kind of hugging together. I know I see Brian here. Brian's like, yeah, I'm a hugger, you know. Um, but with COVID-19, it's like, how are you doing with that? That must be, must be tough. Yeah. But just picture back then, holding nothing back. There is this moment of pure joy in what God just did. This lame beggar is holding on to Peter and John, and they're hugging, and they're rejoicing. And then some more things happen. All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon. Now, a little backdrop to the temple and the structure of the temple. If you've read anything about it, there were certain areas for certain people. There was always this division that was going on. And if you remember, the Holy of Holies was behind a curtain, a very thick curtain, and only the high priest can go in there once a year. That's it. And then there were all these different courts, right? And if you look at this, we see the court of the Gentiles. Okay, there's the Jewish people that can go into here. And even in here, there was an area for the court for women, the court for men, the court for priests, and then the high priest. Gentiles were out here. But many ideas about where Solomon's portico is, um, it could be like right here. And if you think about the beautiful gate, this is one of the ways into the temple. The lame beggar could very well have been placed somewhere around here. Again, this is a depiction of it. And here's the portico. And we find that as a result of this lame beggar being healed, there was this movement. Everyone was a little bit excited in fact, it says, utterly astounded. They ran together to them in the portico. Something great was happening. So then we find that Peter then seizes the opportunity to share the gospel with a large crowd. And I'll just say this. This is a pastor's dream, right? You get a bunch of people together and you get to share the word of God. And so Peter now shares. But he does like the prophets before him. He does a couple things in his sermon and his moment with these people. He exposes idolatry, he announces judgment, and he gives hope. And this has been the message of God from the very beginning. If we go back to Genesis and we remember the story of God creating Adam and Eve, placing them in the garden, telling them not to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, they decide to eat from the tree. And the reason, why did they eat from the tree? idolatry. They wanted to be just like God. What did God do? Well, if we remember, Adam and Eve, they go hide in the garden. God finds them, and he announces judgment. He says, okay, here's the scoop, folks. Women, childbirth is not going to be easy. Men, it's going to be painful. There's going to be thorn and thistle and sweat when you work. And then when he addressed the serpent, he ultimately said, I'm going to crush you. That's the judgment. But in those words about crushing Satan, we get this picture of hope. 
that sin is not going to be the last word, that there is something great that's going to happen that's going to occur. And those words were especially important for Adam and Eve as they were reeling in the pain of their sin. God holds up this hope and says, I got you. I'm going to work something great. So hang in there, all right? So, this is verse 12, and I'm going to pull your attention to the words, men of Israel. Now, why, why does Peter start his sermon with those words? Now, culturally speaking, right, back then especially, men were the target audience. Women were an afterthought. But I'm going to say this. I think there's some wisdom and genius of God. And I'm going to talk to us guys for a second. So gals, you can listen in. But guys, I believe that Peter is addressing all of us, but especially men. Because ever since Adam and Eve, men, there are times we don't listen. Men, there are times that we kind of go do our own thing and we don't hear what God has to say. And I think that's been the struggle ever since Adam. And so here we are today. So here's Peter speaking 2,000 years ago and he's speaking to all of us, but I especially want men to hear what I think Peter is challenging us to do and to be. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. So he says, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by your own power or piety we have made him walk? So he's addressing this idea of idolatry. And I get it. A man who everybody has known for 40 years who has been lame is now able to get up and walk. That's pretty cool stuff. So no wonder their attention is there. But what Peter does is he really wants people to recalibrate this moment. Peter says it's not about us. It's not us that's doing it. God is at work. And now what he does is he walks the people through some very important concepts about who is this healer. Who is the one that is meeting the needs? of this lame beggar, but really all of us, because we can relate to the lame beggar, right? Spiritually, we are all lame. Spiritually, we, we have our disability, but Jesus comes and he makes a difference. And he goes like this, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. Let me just stop right there. Any Jewish person within earshot, when they hear the word servant, they're like, it's like an E.F. Hutton moment. Because they've been waiting for this suffering servant that was described in Isaiah. They've they've been hearing those scriptures spoken for years, and they've been waiting for this suffering servant to come. So when Peter uses the word servant, it's as if everybody's like, what, what? This is what we've been waiting for. But he does something in here that's a little interesting. He goes like this. He says, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he has decided to release him. I mean, this is a little bit of law with some gospel. When uh, I went to the seminary to be a pastor, there was a class called homiletics, and it's how to preach. 
And very clearly, the greatest challenge and the biggest responsibility of preaching is to present both law and gospel. You need to have both. Law will show us our sin, right? It'll, it'll tell us what to do and not to do, and we admit, because it's kind of the mirror, it shows us that, boy, we just don't do the things God wants us to do. That's the law, and we need that. And that's what Peter's doing here. But then there's the gospel. The gospel tells us what God has done in order to address our sin. And this God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, uh, that phrase resonates to the Jewish heart. I mean, this God has been active, and he is involved, and he is addressing what happened. And he's given hope. So again, we have this, this idolatry issue, that, but he, he talks about the judgment, and then he gives hope. Jesus is that suffering servant. And then we get to um, Acts 3.14, and there is a word in here that is absolutely important, vital for us to see, not just to blow past, and yet it's one of the smallest words, insignificant words that is put up on the screen here. It's the word the. You know, we get to the holy and righteous one, we, we see that, and we go, okay, that's, that's really powerful. Jesus is the holy and righteous. But in Greek, when the definite article, the word the, that's a definite article, when that is attached to those words, it is saying the one and only righteous one. There's none other. There's no other way but Jesus. No one else is holy and righteous. Now this flies in the face of We'll just say humanity back then, but also humanity today. I mean, there are many people out there that will say, yeah, there's, uh, there's many ways to get to heaven. And yet what we find in Scripture, there's only one way. Because what God commands is that we would be holy, and none of us can be holy. It really was the struggle of Martin Luther 500 years ago. Because the equation of the church back then was this. It was Christ plus what you do that will equal your salvation. That's how you get to heaven. Now Luther, because he was a monk and he was a, you know, he studied the scriptures, he understood what Jesus did. But when he got to this part, the equation of what he had to bring to the table, he could never find peace. Because he never knew how much he had to do. What was it, 50 50? Is it 70 30? Is it? And he would just wrestle with that. And so he would do things like uh, fast from food. He would fast from sleep. He would stay up. Um, he would beat himself. He would do all these things in order to try to make up this, this, this part of the equation. But then one day, as he opened the scriptures, particularly the book of Romans, it became clear to him it's Jesus. 100%. Jim Thielen, zero. It was all done by Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. It's his holiness, his righteousness that brings salvation to people like you and me. Wow. I mean, again, Peter is just nailing it here because, again, 2,000 years ago, people struggled with this. 
and people today. But you see the little law that's there too? So he holds up the gospel, the good news, but he also says, and remember, and ask for a murder to be granted to you. I mean, going back to that moment, it was, who do you want me to release to you? Jesus or Barabbas? What do people choose? Barabbas. And what do we do today? There are too many times that I and you choose things other than Jesus. That's our sin. That's my sin. And so that's the law, and it stings and it hurts. But Peter then, again, holds up this, this holy and righteous one who has done everything for us. All right, let's continue. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead to this we are witness. And again, this idea of Jesus being the author of life. It's, it's not me, it's not you, it's not what the world can offer. It's the Jesus who brings life. Now, what kind of life are we talking about? Eternal life. And I don't know if the picture comes to you, but eternal life and heaven, for me, are synonymous. And what is heaven? Hollywood steps in and says, well, kind of like up in the clouds. And there's some angelic figures there with a, a harp, and they're kind of playing the music. And whatever picture you want to have is fine, but let me just tell you specifically the, how the Bible describes it. Eternal life, heaven, is being with Jesus. It's being in the presence of the holy and righteous one. That's what heaven is. And according to what Peter is preaching and declaring and proclaiming is that Jesus is the author of life. He is the one that writes and understands and can give this life for you and for me and for this world. And so Peter is just laying it out there. And then he goes here, talks about the object of faith. He says, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man, um, the man, this perfect health in the presence of you all. And this first part, faith in his name. Who is the object of your faith? Going back to my comments about Martin Luther, well, today we have so many different religions, let's just say, or expressions of some kind of religion. And the thing about Christianity that is so unique versus all the other ones is that all the other ones still have the object of your faith is you. It's what you do. And Christianity is all about what Christ has done. He is the object of our faith. And so Peter is trying to get people um, back then off of the concept, you know, what was it? Was this lame beggar, was there something remarkable about him that brought this healing? Or was it something remarkable that Peter and John did that brought this healing? And Peter's saying, no, it's Jesus. It's Jesus that makes the difference in life. And he is to be the object of our faith. In fact, when I talk about um, how many religions there are in the world, I just say there's two. Christian and non-Christian. And the dividing line for this is who you say Jesus is and what did he do. 
If you believe that he is the very son of God who came to suffer and die and rise again for the sins of the world, for my sins, so I could have life, that's on the side of being a Christian. We might have lots of denominations there, but that's the one side. And then on the other side, if you make the object of, of, of your faith yourself in any of the other forms, eternal life is not a reality. So again, Peter is really pushing on a lot of these. All right, Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets. These, quote, men of Israel, have, they come faithfully to the temple to hear the word of God spoken and shared. All the prophecies that have been given from generations ago. And now he's pointing to that and saying, God is faithful. He's made these promises before, and he is so good at keeping his promises. So, men of Israel, listen to that. God is faithful, and God is doing his thing. So, he goes through that. And then we get to the last one. Jesus is the Christ. Now, if we follow the, the, the meaning of the word Christ, means anointed one. That this Christ, this anointed one, this one chosen by God before the heavens and the earth were even made, would suffer, be thus fulfilled. So God made all these promises, and in this Christ who walked on this earth, the one whom you crucified, the one in whom you've chose differently, he would fulfill all these things. This anointed one is going to do what God had wanted him to do. Well, then he gets into this long list of good news. This begins in verse 17. So we see this sermon going on, and he kind of goes back and forth about who this Jesus is. But here's the good news. Okay, so he's addressed the, the idolatry. He's addressed the judgment, so to speak. But now he's holding out there, and he says, Hey, folks, if you thought the raising of, of this lame beggar to be able to walk is a good thing, I've got something even better for everyone. And so Peter gives this list. Read it. I mean, really, read, read the whole chapter 3 and get the context. But I just put them as uh, more bullet points. What God foretold, he thus fulfilled. Your sins may be blotted out. Refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The Christ appointed for you, restoring all things. God sent him to you in order to bless you. I mean, it's one thing after another. This is the hope in which you have. And so here's Peter with a bunch of people who were utterly amazed, right, with this raising of the lame beggar, he says, there's something better, and it's for you. And he is passionate about this. So people can come to know this Savior. So I want to give you three points that I think we can learn from the story of Peter, and hopefully you can maybe put yourself into the story. This idea of faith is to be public and not private. I don't know about you, when I was little growing up, I don't think anyone told me, but I just remember hearing that there's, there's two things you just don't talk about, right? Politics and religion. And I remember putting that on my Facebook recently in light of this sermon. I was just wrestling with this concept, and I had somebody post, and I just think it was, I just think it's changing my perspective. 
I believe those are things we should be talking about. Not necessarily politics for the sake of politics or religion for the sake of religion. I believe we should be talking about godly values being woven into the fabric of our country, into our church, into our families, and into our lives. And I'll say this. You'll never hear me say who I'm going to vote for. I will never say that. But you will hear me say this, because I'm going to challenge you, because we're going to be hearing more and more stuff about politics coming up. I believe that as Christians, we should vote for people who honor godly values. Not one politician is going to be able to honor every single godly value. It just is the reality. Sin, right? But prayerfully consider who will uphold the values that God has set forth in the scriptures. And then vote for that person. I, I, I think it's that simple. But with our faith, are we ready to have a conversation like Peter did? Or do we shrink back? And I'm thinking, you know, especially in light of what's going on in our world with so many different things, I think we bring light into a very dark world. But if we kind of close up shop and we say, well, you know, I just don't want to talk about it, that darkness is going to prevail. What we need to do as the church and as people who make up the church, we need to step into the conversations that are going on in this world and we need to bring the light of God's word to people who are seeing all the darkness. It's, so in other words, it's on us. It's on you, it's on me. And where will this happen? It could happen in your home, at work, workplace, uh, when you recreate, wherever you go. The light of Christ that's here needs to be sh shown to people as we come into contact with. So again, faith is to be public and not private. Secondly, apologetics. I'm going to tell you, for many years, the definition that I lived by is somewhat simi similar to this. But this is the posture of what I thought apologetics was. I'm going to defend the faith till I die. And realized, I'm not sure this is going to be so effective. So I've changed my definition of apologetics. It's no longer the defense of the faith. It's the, I want to share with you the faith. I want to communicate to you the faith I have in Jesus who changed my life and who can change your life. Do you see the difference between the two? One is almost as if it's adversarial, like I'm going to get you. Versus, I love you. And I think that's what apologetics is to be. We've come to know this Jesus who has done so much so that I can have heaven forever. And I want you to have that too. And I want to share that. So be thinking of apologetics maybe a little differently. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit will empower you. The reason I can say this with certainty is because Jesus said, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And he always keeps his word. So as we, like Peter, are thrust into moments 
whether it's in your family or workplace or school or wherever you are, the Holy Spirit will empower us so that our faith would become real and evident. And maybe people will start looking at you and me and they're going to say, there's something different about you. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. We know it's the Holy Spirit. We know it's Christ who is in us. <coughs> I think of Galatians 2.20. It's, it's really my life verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. So people are going to start seeing that. And we're going to have opportunity to share what we've come to know so that more and more people can come into the light and know this Jesus who brings eternal life. In the name of Jesus, amen.
in our lives before you and ask that you would hear the prayers of your people. A prayer for Barb Bedell. She is recovering from a fall and she has hurt her hip. A prayer for healing. My brother hospitalized with kidney and gallbladder problems. Comfort for him separated from family who cannot visit him. Prayers for Heath's eye appointment to go good on July 9. Comfort and strength for the family and friends of David Gonzalez, who lost his life due to COVID and other complications. Wisdom, health, and safety as we celebrate the 4th of July during an increase in this COVID season. Prayers for my son, as he struggles through the pains of teenage friendships. Pray for my daughter as she begins her last rotation of OT school in Idaho. Embrace her and calm her anxiety. Prayer, please pray for my friend while she is away at camp. She has some traumatic history from the previous year. Keep her safe and protected while she is away. Please pray for our daughter-in-law that she will treat us with respect, that her heart will be turned to Jesus. Please pray that God will keep my heart kind, soft, loving, mature, and strong with perseverance. Father, invade the lives of the prodigals in my life. Fill their hearts with love for you with a desire for your heart and a thirst for your goodness. A prayer for my sister who has a bunch of uncertainties in her life right now. Let her know she is loved 
and we are glad she is here with us. I am feeling sad today. I should be with the band worshiping God at a service. I'll be home alone instead, wondering what God wants me to do. Services have been canceled. The pastor has shut down the church because no one's attending. And the band leader has decided to move to Indiana because there's no work for him at the church. So I'm losing another friend. My heart aches tremendously. You have heard, we know you will respond. We know your great love is with us as we live these prayers. And now we pray the prayer that you instructed us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As Peter proclaimed his faith and trust in Jesus um, at Solomon's portico about 2,000 years ago, we have an opportunity to proclaim our faith. And we're going to do it now with the words of the Apostles' Creed in church, but don't forget, we can proclaim our faith in Jesus beyond the walls of this church. So let's share this out loud together, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Some announcements for you. Greg, welcome back. Glad you had a great time with family. Thank you very much. Get your feet back on the ground, and here you are yeah. right away. So. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, announcements. Yes, um, if you are new to 1C or if you've been coming for a while and would like to learn more about who we are, our history, our mission, what we believe, um, love to invite you to a new disciple launch that we have on July 12th following the 11 uh, a.m. worship service. So from about noon to 2, um, it's an informal conversation where we can share those things with you about who we are as a church. It also provides an opportunity for you to join the 1C family if you haven't officially done that yet but no pressure, um, there's no high pressure sales that you have to join uh, if you attend that, that class. But um, you can go online and register through 1cchurch.com and click on um, register for an event or a class or you can register through our weekly happenings email. Good, and again, with all of these, feel free to call the church office. Um, if you have questions about some of these things, we'd love to be able to answer those for you. Uh, for those of you, let me tell you, I'm watching some of you now trickling back into church. 
I know it's still an uncertain time. There's still lots, probably more questions than answers. Uh, but we're doing our best here to, to make sure this is a safe environment for all of us. But we do want to hear your feedback. So please let us know, you know, as you experience different things or if you have a suggestion or two, uh, we would love to hear from you. One of those suggestions, actually more of an encouragement, I've been asked, when are we going to have communion? And for some of us, right, it's been a long time. So next week at the services, we're going to have communion. And all we're asking really is if you'd come a little bit earlier, uh, I'll give you a little bit of the detail. We're going to have a station that's out in the family gathering area where we will have people with gloves and a mask on. And you will walk up and you will tell them how many uh, communion elements you would like and which kind. So if you would like grape juice or, or wine. And they will then um, have a, a container in back of them. They'll put that in a paper bag, fold it up, and give it to you to bring into church. And then at the time of distribution, we will encourage you to take those out of the bag and be prepared. And then we will have communion together. Then when you're done, you place that, those back in the paper bag, and then on your way out, you would just dispose of those uh, empty receptacles, okay? So very simple. We do believe this is going to be a very safe way to be able to have communion. Um, so maybe start telling some other people if you're feeling like, yeah, it's good to be back. And, uh, you know, uh, I think there are some people that are still, they just don't know what it's like to sit in church. And hopefully you feel safe. But that's going to be next week, and we'll be having communion, so... Uh, get the word out. Uh, last announcement is following the last song. I'm going to have you seated, and then we're going to start on this side, and we're going to excuse people so that we have a, a little bit of social distancing taking place as we make our way out. All right? So let me give you the blessing. This, this comes from God to his people whom he loves dearly. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise.
Have a great Sunday, everybody. Go in peace and serve the Lord.